0: Hello, hello, friends, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. For those of you who are new here, I'm your host, Sif, and I am so happy that you've tuned in. I've had this podcast for like over a year now, and I still fangirl every time I get to speak to a founder whose brand I use regularly. Case in point is today's guest, Patricia Santos, the co-founder of Volition. So backstory here. I used the Volition Strawberry Sea Serum last year and fell in love with it. If you haven't heard of the serum, go to Sephora.com and read the reviews. People are obsessed with it and it genuinely is an incredible product. I got curious about Volition when I heard about their product development process. Basically, they work with their community to crowdsource product ideas. Anyone can submit an idea and if it gets picked, then it actually gets developed. They take the beauty for you buy you thing to the next level. It's such a cool and unique value proposition, and today I chat about the whole thing with Patricia. I'll let her tell you more about her background, but Patricia is a force. She comes from a VC background and has years of industry experience. You're going to learn a ton from her. I know I did. But before we get into our conversation, let's get into this week's hot tip, which just happens to be a product from Volition. I started using their silt gelée mask a couple of weeks back after this interview and it has been absolutely phenomenal. The star ingredient here is black silt, which was actually something I had never heard of before. As it so happens, black silt cleanses and removes impurities from the skin surface. One of the other ingredients is plant-derived squalane, which is actually a natural compound we produce, which keeps the skin looking young. But as we get older, we produce less of it, which is why it's so important to supplement it into our routine. Think of it kind of like hyaluronic acid. The mask detoxes the skin and removes impurities, but it's also super nourishing. It's become a weekly ritual for me and I could not recommend it more. And now let's give a warm welcome to Patricia Santos.
1: know that I'm like the strawberry sea serum you have is amazing. Oh, thank like you truly really, i um what was it? I tried it last year, and it is really a great product.
2: Awesome. that's so nice to hear. I love yeah. I love it when people when people resonate with our products.
1: yeah, and like it's just like as I was saying to Lexi, like honestly, like speaking to you guys was on my like it was like on like one of like my bucket list guests, so I'm so happy you're able to make it happen. <laughs>
2: Oh, yay. How did you hear about Strawberry I just always have to ask.
1: How did I hear about, tr- honestly, like I am obsessed with browsing the newest beauty, like clean beauty, especially products. And like, I don't know if you know, but I'm like a wellness founder as well. So yeah. I'm just always, yeah. yeah. So I'm always really curious about like, who's doing what in the beauty space, because I feel like the way beauty works is kind of like, like wellness sort of mirrors beauty, but we're just a few years behind. And so I'm always looking for disruptors in this space. And I'm a big nerd when it comes to like brands and ingredients and all of that. And I just like, I'd seen incredible reviews for your serum. And so, yeah, like I'm, I'm so happy I was able to try it. It's really a great product.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Totally hear you on the nerd, the nerd part. I love products too. So I need to, yeah. uh, Sometimes I need to pull back a little bit with uh, with how much I buy.
1: <laughs> the Sephora sale like it's <laughs> <was I>, dangerous. <laughs> I had to hide the bag from my husband. I was like mm, it's like stuffing it under my shirt. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really funny. Um, okay, so he, I'm just going to dive right in, but yeah. I think like first and foremost, you guys, you and Brandy together have a combined 40 years of industry experience, which is just insane. So tell me about your, Yeah, well, well, you don't look (laughs) it. Your skincare products clearly work. I mean, your skin (laughs) is just fantastic. (laughs) So um, what were you doing pre-Volition? What was your industry experience? How did you and Brandy meet? I wanna know everything.
2: Yeah, where do I start? Um, A bit more on the personal side. So I'm originally from Manila, so I'm Filipina. Um, and my family immigrated to the United States when I was 12, so I was in seventh grade. Not a really good time to immigrate, I would oh, say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, so so we we moved to uh, Jersey City, New Jersey, um, which uh, which is where a few of my aunts were living, and they had really good Filipino food there. So I think that's that's what drove the decision. Um, I got a scholarship to go to school at this Upper East Side um, private school in Manhattan um, and then subsequently a a scholarship to Harvard. Um, And uh, yeah, and that was sort of I just love how
1: you casually said that, by the way. Just like (laughs) casual, no no big deal, but yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's not casual. Anybody who went to Harvard will try and drop that they went to Harvard at any given point in time in any conversation, right?
1: (laughs) Just like casual, like- you know, scholarship to Harvard, like it's no, no, that's insane.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's funny because when people ask me like, oh, where are you from? You know, Brandy has a, a, a really easy answer because she's, you know, born and raised St. Louis, Missouri. Um, but, you know, just to be, um, just to shorten the story, I usually say um, New Jersey or I say Boston because I lived in Boston for, for quite a long time. But, uh, but the truth is, yeah, we, I, I moved to the United States when, when I was 12.
1: I, I mean, I love that because, you know, I'm a POC founder immigrant as well. So like, I love connecting with people who kind of have that story and that background. It's really cool. I
2: think it's so, I mean, I think it's so important, um, you know, because I, we don't maybe do it consciously, but I think, you know, the founders backgrounds and, and, you know, culture and, you know, the, our stories influence the brand and the culture and our teams, um, probably in ways we, you know, we don't um, necessarily, you know, think are obvious. But, you know, I do think that, you know, my moving here and being an immigrant, um, you know, was was really foundational in, in terms of not only, you know, my, my work ethic, but also, you know, how how we approach the beauty space. It, it comes from an outsider perspective. It comes from a passion to do things differently. Um, it comes from a passion to bring more POC and diverse voices and a multiplicity of perspectives into, um, into a space that honestly really needed it. Um, and, uh, but is making, making big, big, big strides. So I'm, I'm happy to see that. Um, yeah, but I, but I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely important that uh, the founders are kind of open about where they come from and, and what their background is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you go to Harvard, what, what's next? What happens after that?
2: I go to Harvard. I decide that um, uh, I love creative writing, and I think uh, like I want to be an English um, and literature major. But um, but I I have a ton of student debt, so instead I go work for Morgan Stanley <laughs> in investment banking. Help <laughs> pay that pay that off with a sign on sign on bonus. Um, and so I worked in investment banking um, at Morgan Stanley for. Um, for a year in New York, and then I actually, I got the chance to move back to Asia and work in Morgan Stanley's Hong Kong office um, for a while. So I, you know, it's funny. I jumped at that chance because for the longest time, you know, after immigrating here, I feel like I was trying to kind of fit in and become more American in a way. And, um, and I spent all of my energy doing that, like getting rid of my accent, you know, just, just, yeah, just trying to, to fit in. And then I think I kind of came into my own in my twenties and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm going to go, going to go work, uh, work in Asia and, and, and see what it's like to be on the business side of things there. So I moved to Hong Kong with Morgan Stanley, which was just such a, such an amazing experience. You know, very. Very intense <laughs> investment banking is, is is definitely an intense route, um, but uh, but yeah, it really helped me um, really helped me a lot learn a lot about finance and business planning and strategy. Um, and then I came back um, uh, uh, and worked at Ralph Lauren. Um, I figured, you know what i got I got tired of um, just pure finance. I wanted to maybe exercise a little bit of that creative. Uh, love that I, you know, that I that I wanted to um, exercise with, uh, you know, with with an English major. But um, but yeah, I, I went to go work at uh, Polo Ralph Lauren before business school.
1: So what were you doing there? Like uh, I was the doing role. strategy.
2: So um, so uh, Polo had just acquired, and they never acquire companies, but they had just acquired this Canadian company called Club Monaco. I don't know if you have ever shopped there,
1: but yeah. I'm Canadian, so oh, yeah, yeah right? like yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> all the time.
2: <laughs> um, so, Cloudbox is awesome, and and um, and Polo uh, bought them. This was back in you know, early yeah early two thousands, and um, and was basically working to uh, to expand them in the United States. And so, I worked with the CEO, the new CEO that that uh, Polo had placed in that company. His name was John Mihas, um, and uh, and and basically helped him. Write out the business plan for Club Monaco uh, expansion um, with uh, with the, in the United States, um, which was awesome because it was like it, it was like I was doing more of like the finance, business plan strategy stuff, but um, but just working for an apparel company. I got to uh, I got to meet the the buyers and the planners and and, and be in the fit meetings and and uh, and talk to the folks at the store. So it was just it was really really hands on. It um, was a really amazing learning experience for me.
1: Like a marrying of your two worlds, like the creative and the kind of strategy business side, which you were obviously great at. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's that really, really cool. So then what, like, how did you end up meeting Brandy and kind of what led you into the world of beauty?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so after business school, um, I joined uh, a venture capital firm. And um, uh, I started looking, actually I joined the healthcare team when they started looking at consumer facing health, like this was back in, you know, uh, mid 2000s. And they, um, you know, what what traditionally had been a team that looked at medical devices and diagnostics and stents and et cetera, was starting to look at just more wellness, more preventative health, um, you know, as, as, as a lot of healthcare has gone. Um, and uh, and one of the first companies that we invested in was Lululemon, also Canadian. <laughs> We're loving the Canadian apparel. Clearly, retailer, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so that uh, the the success of that investment basically focused us very keenly on the consumer space. Um, I was one of the only female investors, or actually, I was the only female investor. Um, in the entire group at the time, so uh, I got a lot of the beauty um, and fashion brands <laughs> who are raising money naturally um, and uh, and really, I think my love of of beauty uh, started there and it wasn 't just love of beauty products because you know, I'm Asian and therefore a 12 step routine is just par for the course, right? Um, and I love products and I definitely overspend at you know uh, the Sephora sale, like you just did. Um, but uh, you know, but 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 my love for beauty at that point in my life was really coming from the entrepreneurs, and there were so many amazing female entrepreneurs, particularly in the beauty space, that I didn't see in beverage, I didn't see in, you know, in, in supplements, I didn't see in, you know, even fashion, honestly, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but particularly because we, we we looked at very athletic apparel kind of fashion concepts because of uh, the Lululemon investment, but, but yeah, the beauty was, was where I found these, these role models and these inspirations of female entrepreneurs who were just breaking new ground with their brands and their products and um and that's what kind of got me started down the road I just I just wanted to learn more I like couldn't um I couldn't find out enough about you know who's starting what company and, and and who's looking at you know this particular category who's taking on hair care versus body care like I just wanted I just wanted to learn it all and um Yeah, and that's really where, um, where I found my, my, my passion for beauty. Um, And, and, uh, and so I decided after um, I left investing, uh, that I was going to go into the, uh, into the beauty space, and I joined um, uh, a a skincare company, and that's, that's where I met Brandy. So I took over, um, I didn't, you know, I was a, I was a venture investor And I had like a deep kind of finance background, but I hadn't, I realized that I hadn't actually held an operating role in a company before. I mean, strategy at Club Monaco was kind of very, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't deep enough into the Mm -hmm. operations of the company as I'd like. So I really, really wanted to get at the ground level. And I figured, you know, what better way to, um, to round out my skill set, than just go into sales. So I took over international sales for this company. Um, I expanded them into Korea, China, um, you know, some some Western European countries, Brazil, uh, and um, Southeast Asia. And um, and my partner in crime was Brandy because she was the operations person at the time. So you know we like to say normally sales and operations hate each other, right? Because sales is like, sure, we can do that. We'll get it to you next month and Mm -hmm. we'll get you X hundred thousand units. And then operations is like, whoa, 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 what? We haven't even filed regulatory with the FDA, you know, with FDA in that country, slow it down. Um, But, uh, but, but, but we got along amazingly um, and, uh, and, and had such a good time traveling to Shanghai and Hong Kong and, um and, and it, uh, in korea and it was uh and so we kind of knew we worked really well together even if we came from two completely different business backgrounds and had such a different a kind of kind of point of view right she's a lot more conservative i'm a lot more like growth 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 let's grow um you know she's uh, uh she she's very tactical in her in her mindset because she's supply chain operations right and and i'm more like you know, let's, let's think big picture and then come, you know, come down. So I think it's very complimentary in a way, but usually when you have two complimentary people, quote unquote, you know, they, you know, butt heads um, at times. And we didn't have any of that. So I um, thought, wow, this is a really good, you know, partner relationship that, uh, that, that we should build on. So naturally she was, you know, kind of my first, my first call when, when we, when I was thinking of going off on my own and starting a business.
1: Very cool. I actually love that point you make about complementary skill sets because it's something that I always talk about as well. So my co-founder is my husband and I feel like we are the exact same way. Like he's very operational, like into the nitty-gritty, very like analytical and like I'm big picture, like very creative. You know, I come from like I would say like a marketing background, right? So it's like it's good complementary skill sets and I think like it it makes for a good business relationship. You're right when it works. Absolutely. Um, so you guys are doing something that I've actually never seen done before in the beauty space, which is crowdsourced, like a crowdsourced beauty brand. What even gave you that idea? Because I I do think it's very disruptive.
2: No, thanks. Um, so, so from, from, uh, I have to take you back to my being an investor in the early 2000s. Again, the only woman on this, uh, Investing team uh, at a venture capital firm, trying to get all of these female entrepreneurs in the beauty space funded, um, and uh, really, frankly, failing. Um, You know, the the if you think about it, only two percent of uh, venture dollars currently goes to female entrepreneurs, and you can imagine how bad it was in 2005 and 2006, right?
1: It's, it's really like a conversation. Like things need to change for sure. And like, just as a female founder, like I I feel it, I know it. And you know, it's really, really tragic and I can't even imagine what it was like back then.
2: Oh, it's a whole new world. It's a whole new world now, which is both encouraging. um, But you know, we haven't, I don't, I don't think we've come far enough. And, and I think, my primary motivation for for Volition was really I wanted to give female entrepreneurs with these great product ideas an alternative way to get their products in the hands of consumers and retailers um, without necessarily pitching boardrooms of suits who didn't understand them didn't understand their brands and how, you know, and, 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 and didn't use their products, frankly. So, you know, I, I don't think it's, it was malicious in any way. I don't think it was, you know, that men just don't wanna invest in women. I think there is a huge hurdle to, I mean, let's be honest, beauty is super crowded, right? Like there's just so many products. And if you don't understand the nuances, of the consumer. It's, they all just start sounding the same. I mean, that's, that's, you know, there, there's, um, there's too much, um, just bleed between brands and between products. And, and, and so, yeah, as a casual investor, it, it, it makes it really hard to pick the winners. And I think mm-hmm. what, um, you know, what, uh, VCs never, you know, never like to, you know, just to take a flyer. Right? I mean, they do take a flyer, but take they take a flyer on management teams when they understand the industry. And yeah. at the time, there was just not a lot of, um, of of VCs focusing on the beauty space, and therefore, you know, it was really, really hard to get investment dollars deployed um, to some of these awesome brands. So. Um, I, you know, I basically set out to, you know, help get some of this stifled innovation to the market. Um, And I became obsessed with it because on the flip side, you know, we invested in, you know, pretty big beauty brands. And I would see the kind of process that the management teams would go through to come up with products. And it was literally like, but what's Sephora launch? Oh, what did this, what did this hot company launch? Oh, it was just so copycat Mm -hmm. um, in terms of what, and and so disconnected from the customer that, you know, I would see these, these entrepreneurs like out there selling their, their own, you know, oil mixtures and clean beauty formulations at fairs and, you know, um, online or on Etsy or eBay, right? I mean, like, and 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 they were just so different but yet you know there was both from the big company side who couldn't come up with the innovation and then these smaller entrepreneurs who couldn't get the funding to get their products into the marketplace like the consumer was basically losing out because they were just seeing the same old stuff and it was frankly exacerbating the problem that the beauty industry has, which is that everything sounds the same, right? Because the, the innovation uh, for this from the smaller entrepreneurs just can't break through. Um, and things have changed now with social media and, you know, et cetera. I mean, I think, I think this is back in the day when, I mean, honestly, I think most people were shopping still at department stores. If you mm-hmm. think about how mm-hmm. long ago that was, this was pre Whole Foods, you know, um, if you think, you know, Whole Foods being like a, a big thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, these were all, this was, you know, quite, quite a a long time ago. So, um, you know, the, the companies that controlled the channels to market, the communication to the customer, you know, they did it through huge department stores, right? There was no Facebook, no Instagram, Mm -hmm. no, you know, it was really, really hard for, um, you know, for, for indie brands and entrepreneurs to talk to their customers directly. Um, So things have changed now, which is great. Um, But, uh, but back in the day, if you just kind of Mm -hmm. imagine what, what, you know, what that was like, it it was very different world.
1: Yeah. So I guess like that was your kind of motive behind volition. It was kind of to have that gateway, correct?
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. To basically take, take these, um, take these entrepreneurs who had amazing stories um, and, and then you give them a way to sell their products and pitch directly to the customer, um, which we do, you know, through our community. Um, you know, we take pre-orders and wait lists and, you know, we do closed forums and, and so they, they, they're able to get the support that they need, um, to get their products, uh, made through Volition.
1: So tell me about the whole process behind how this works. Like, basically anyone can submit an idea like I, I want to like walk me through the whole thing
2: absolutely anybody can submit an idea um, you get a commission if you you know if your product is made by us so we definitely share in the success and we've had numerous um, we've had numerous innovators that's what we call the men and the women and hopefully men soon <laughs> uh, behind our behind our products um, you know we've had many of them you know cry when you know when we first launched their products and they first get their commission checks one of our very first innovators you know sent us this note that i still have on my desk which says she was finally able to afford a down payment on her house for the first time Um, so those are all those entrepreneurial stories that 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 we love but um but at yeah at at the core you submit an idea uh if your idea wins passes the different stage gates that we we've built so uh, a wait list, uh, a pre-order, um, you know, and then uh, if that launches, then it gets sold on volitionbeauty.com as well as our uh, partner retailers, and
1: um, yeah, and you and you just make money while you sleep, as I like that's, to say. That's that's really cool. So then, how specific or broad does an idea have to be? Like, do I come to you guys and I'm like. I researched this awesome ingredient and I think, you know, it'll make for an awesome face mask or a serum, or is it just, oh, like, um, I hear that vitamin D has new skincare benefits. Like, can that be developed developed into a product? Like, how does the process work?
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. It's run the gamut, to be honest, right? Because our innovators aren't just beauty consumers, some of them are, for example, uh, product developers or chemists themselves, and they've come to us with pretty um, uh, pretty baked formulas that they've actually experimented with, like, you know, in their labs. Um, but I would say for the for the non-beauty insider, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that you know, just a, the person without a background in beauty, um, you know, they've submitted just ingredient ideas to us, right? Like one of our best selling products is our snow mushroom water serum. Mm -hmm. Um, And this came from Katie. um, And, uh, uh, you know, she has no background in the beauty space. And, um, you know, she had just been doing research about um, recipes to help her with her own skin problems. And she stumbled across the snow mushroom, the tremella mushroom, which um, is a popular Taiwanese Uh, recipe for, um, you know, for a soup that helps with, uh, with your skin. And so her submission was, you know, just, just that, just, you know, I, these are my skin problems. This is my story. Um, I found this no mushroom uh, ingredient, and I would love to share it with your community. Um, So it was, it it was that simple. And then we, you know, it is really Volition's value add to help, elevate, like do research on that ingredient, work with our, um, uh, our labs to, you know, to come up with a final formulation and make sure that the claims that we're making on that ingredient are, are correct
1: and proven. And um, yeah. That's really cool. And then do you highlight the innovators who've come up with that idea?
2: Absolutely. It's their stories that we like to tell. That's our content, right? So on the box, they actually have, um, they're, they're highlighted not only on the, the copy on the box and in videos on our websites, but, you know, we have a, what we call an innovator card that comes with every product and it shows, you know, tells her story. Um, you know, on our Sephora pages, they're usually featured in, in the videos that are that are on those telling, again, telling their stories. Um, we like to talk about them on social as much as we can, with the press as much as we can. Um, you know, we, we were in a New York Times article um, and the whole article was really just about our innovators and their stories. Um, and, uh, and that's really important to us um, as a company. You know, we're not, we like to say, we're not a single founder brand. We're mm-hmm. a multiple founder platform. And, um, and, and that really comes from, you know, you, my, my background as a VC, like when I would see founders, I would be like, oh my God, like uh, that, that passion, that drive, that determination, that like need to not fail was something that I just would like, I wanted to bottle it. It was, it's mm-hmm. just so, um, but powerful and, uh, inspiring. And so, you know, for every product that we have, you know, we have a found, like a founder, behind that, um, behind that product. So I love that.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's really, really cool. So then tell me Patricia, like before you, like you have this idea, but before your brand is launched, you don't really have a community to lean on to like send you these ideas. So what's the starting point like? Yeah. So the
2: starting point was really, so we knew that we didn't know what people were going to submit to us. That's the one thing we knew. (laughs) (laughs) So naturally um, our first order of business was to be able to make whatever this question mark thing is that people are going to submit to us. So we basically had to go out and round up, you know, not only talented product developers and chemists and labs, but we had to do it in a way that we basically couldn't make anything and make anything in record time because we knew that we would be going through this whole like voting process. And as we built mm-hmm. our, you know, we, we'd have to be open about what it was that we were launching, which is very, very unlike any other company. Because yeah. Oh it was, yeah. Like, so it's totally to, like, different. Launch. Yeah. So we knew we had to do it. We had to be able to make anything. We had to make it available in in, in record time. So, Brandy and I went out like pitch deck in hand um, and our first order of business was getting getting the labs on board and not just one or two labs like we had to get 25 right because they needed to do hair care body care SPF like anything right so so we um, we had to make sure that we uh, we had those uh, uh, that network that Mm -hmm. infrastructure in place once the ideas started coming in. And then actually, that whole exercise led to our first few submissions because we would go to the labs and the chemists and we'd be like, hey, here's our concept. Would you be open to helping us develop these, you know, these products as they come in? And some of the chemists would be like, oh, well, yes, I would love to do that. That's really cool. Um, but also, you know, I've been working on this formula. I haven't given it to any of our other clients. And would you like to learn more about it? It's sort of mm-hmm. my, my passion project. You know, one of our, one of our very first products was our silk gelée mask. And it came from uh, this Japanese chemist, Takako. And we were pitching her because we knew she had just an amazing, amazing artistry. And she, mm-hmm. lots of her formulations were on the shelf in, in, in Asia and, and, and et cetera. And, and she was, um, yeah, she was just an artist. And, and she said to us, yeah, I have a ton of products that like brands have, you know, hasn't been a fit. Like one of them is this Silciolay mask and everybody is like into paper masks right now. And so they don't want to do, you know, they don't want to commercialize what is basically just a, a better version of a mud mask. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, well, oh, mud masks are so five years ago. Um, so it wasn't necessarily like on trend, but she's like, but this formula is amazing, right? Like I use it, you know, she's like, I've perfected it for myself because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had, she had taken this, like, she had found this like Nordic silt um, that, uh, that she had put into this gel suspension. Um, so it was a really, really unique in terms of its, its actual um, texture. And um yeah. She gave it to us. It was, it was a first product we launched with. And, um, yeah, we, we sold like hundreds and thousands of them on Facebook in the beginning. So it was, uh, wow. it was, yeah. Yeah. And it's just because, you know, I, I feel like it, it, it again, it, it, goes back to that, that idea that, you know, it, these bigger companies, like they're not trying to take a risk, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just kind of trying to ride a trend. And so you need, um, you need that outsider perspective kind of to 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 bring a new product to the marketplace.
1: I, I think it's so smart. And again, like that's kind of what allows for new things because a lot of the times, like I will notice that there's a trend of a certain thing kind of happening and there's like a lot of kind of similar products. Like at one point it was vitamin C, like everyone was releasing a vitamin C serum, right? And like you you notice these things whereas like silk gelee, like what the hell even is that? Like, I've never heard of that. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. You've got to kind of keep on the sort of bleeding edge of things, I think, in in a way. And that's why we have our community, right? Because we knew we're not just a company that's about like, oh, here's this, you know, super, super new, different, first to market ingredient because you'll fail all day if you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you'll have a bunch of failed products if you're just um, always taking that risk. So that's why we then, Set out to complement that innovation and that entrepreneurial challenge with a community that would then help us figure out, okay, like this is actually something that has legs. You know, this is going to be, you know, um, uh, big enough for uh, for Volition to pursue. So then we use that um, as a secondary screen, and then of course we've invested you know, millions of dollars and uh, uh, years of development into our proprietary Mm -hmm. uh, software uh, technology platform that basically allows us to take all, ingest all of these ideas um,
1: from our community and then only pick
2: the best ones.
1: Really cool. So then tell me your tips on building community because that's kind of like the basis of Volition, I feel like.
2: Yeah. Um, Tips on building community. So I think it depends on the platform. Um, uh, of course. Um, But I think, I I mean, uh, this might sound so basic, but uh, I think, one, don't underestimate the intelligence of your community, right? Like, I, I think a lot of times, especially on platforms like Instagram, you know, it's really easy to think like, oh, she just wants pretty pictures, or she just wants this certain filter on. You know, et cetera you know the, she's only following X, y and Z celebrity and then not putting the effort in to really talk to her mm-hmm. um, about her products and about her um, what she needs, right. So so we mm-hmm. make sure that w- we never underestimate our community because they are actually the source of all of our innovation. And then I think secondly, at the core of what we do is is really the belief that the people suffering from a problem are the best ones to help solve it so you know when like we know that skincare is like fun it's not as fun as makeup but like skincare is is it's it's a little bit more serious and sometimes people who are looking to switch or looking to make an investment in skincare you know they're you know they're they're suffering from you know, some, some pretty bit acne or hyperpigmentation or rosacea, like there's some sort of serious um, uh, problems that, that, that we wanna help solve. So just having that, that care and really caring about, you know, how, how we help her and what we say and just, you know, kind of being there, I think it makes a huge difference to, um, uh, to how bigger brands talk to their community. And so, um, and so for smaller startups, I think it's really important to have that perspective.
1: Yeah. And like, I think that what you're saying is, is so spot on because as a startup, and I think like, of course, this can kind of bleed into your ethos, even as you scale to have that line of communication, like really understand what your customer needs, what's making them happy, what's not is like, it's so important. It's, it's actually like quite precious, like, even for us, it's it's shaped a lot of, actually everything that we've done. And even just as we're looking into future product formulations, like you know, constantly doing focus groups with our existing customers, talking to them, figuring out like what's going on with you, you know, like what, like what does the space not cover for you? It's it's really interesting. It's like a superpower.
2: Absolutely, that's a, that's a really good way to put it. I lo- I, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I. Uh, i think back to um, you know what we learn from our customers and you know not only do they give us their product ideas right but they're for the most part just talking to us about these skincare concerns that mm-hmm. other brands and products haven't been able to solve for them right yeah. and they're giving us that privilege to help them solve it right and the privilege to help them come up with a formula that is you know life-changing for them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, for us, it's, we look at it as exactly that, as a, as a privilege to, to help them, um, you know, get their, get their product to market, um, you know, and, and, uh, and I think it's, it's just precious.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. So what are some of the scrappy things you did when you were starting out? Like, lessons in brand building going above and beyond for your customers like obviously you guys have a great relationship with your community like what are those things that other entrepreneurs can learn from you guys
2: Hmm, I mean what what did we do and what did we do that was not scrappy I feel like (laughs) I mean I I, (laughs) this is an aside but I still vacuum our office um well pre-covid but I'm still the like office vacuumer and it's and it's become this thing where (laughs) <laughs> I just do like my suite now because it's alienated some of our other our other employees because because I I do it more to like just reset like so I'll, mm-hmm. so I'll have like a big meeting and it just like allows me to like like be calm um yeah i'm a i'm a mom of two and 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 so of course i just like love like i have to clean up after them and just it helps me sort of just like clear my space and my mind so people get nervous when i vacuum because they think like oh my god she's stressed out like something's wrong <laughs> but i still do it uh um, because i love it um so there you go I'm, i i still i
1: still vacuum the office but now okay. my, my part of the office But yeah, that's really funny um and then any like stories you have with like customers speaking directly to them maybe learning something um, that like others can kind of take from you as well
2: Yeah yeah um, so one of the one of the things we did I think this was maybe the, the first or second the first year that, that, that we launched um, was Brandy and I hand wrote Christmas cards to our top customers and not just like thanks for helping support the brand like actually looked at what they bought looked at what they came back to buy um you know and 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 wrote them like very very uh, uh customized cards to just thank them for their support um and and mailed mailed it to them um and we each wrote about 250 each um just to uh uh and and I would say that those customers like have been with us to this day, right? I think think that 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 kind of touch point um, was just so, uh, was so meaningful to them at the time that, uh, yeah, it was a really, really successful, um, our most successful like marketing campaign at the time. And like Brandy and I would be writing the, we would be writing the cards, like we'd be eating lunch and writing cards. We'd be in like internal meetings and be writing the cards and just like, we just took so much time to, to and effort to actually handwrite these things. that um, yeah, that was, but it it made a big difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's not an easy thing to do. Like we did custom Polaroids for all of our customers for, I mean, we're still doing it really, but now, you know, we have a little bit of help. But Nish and I, like my co-founder and I, like we did all of that ourselves for a very long time. At the beginning, we were doing handwritten, like long form notes. So this is like, I mean, it, it's a lot of work, but I feel like it allows your customers to feel so connected to you and vice versa as well like I think that those little moments of personalization go such a long way absolutely absolutely
2: and and again I, I think um, I think particularly in the beauty space right like that is dominated by big brands and big companies as a startup brand trying to break through it it becomes very important that you do all the things that they would, the bigger brands would yeah. never do.
1: Yeah. We have this thing, um, within like, like our internal team, it's always like do things that don't scale because you have such a unique advantage. Like yeah. Because like you, you can do all these things when you're like littler yeah. and we've done them all. And I feel like that that's kind of what allows you to keep those relationships with your, your community and build that. So I like, I think that Christmas card idea is just like, it's incredible. Like, I love that you guys did that. And I'm sure that, I mean, that's kind of how you have such a strong community. Like, why would they leave after that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so you are a former VC. Um, when you guys were going out and building Volition, did you go and raise money right away?
2: We raised a seed round from friends and family, uh, mostly my business school friends and ex-venture
1: uh, ex, uh, guys so what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who are going to raise money especially female entrepreneurs because i mean like we've talked about this it's a whole thing and there's just not enough
2: yeah um gosh i mean it's it's um i think it's it's uh it's a complicated question and it's one i get all the time And I want to be a little bit more thoughtful than what I usually say, which is like, know your numbers and be prepared to, you know, answer a lot of financial questions, which is yes, absolutely true, right? Like when when a VC is looking at a company in a space that he doesn't know very well, they'll Mm -hmm. immediately go to things that are universal, which is data. So they're going to go, let's say he doesn't know anything about wellness um Mm -hmm. you know uh uh and ingestibles and wellness he's just going to go directly to like okay what's your growth on instagram what's your repeat purchase rate what's your cohort what does your what do your early cohorts look like they're going to try and basically baseline your business and your brand into something where they're like okay well i i don't know ingestibles and wellness but i looked at this one protein powder company back then and so how does this startup compared to that, right? They're going mm-hmm. to try and baseline you into this um, uh, uh, kind of analytical data dump. So yeah. they can see whether or not your, your business has legs. Um, so of course, absolutely know all of the data, know, know mm-hmm. what they're going to baseline you to, and just throw it at them um, without looking at your slides. So that then yeah. they, you check the box and they think, oh, okay, that founder is totally on top of that. So she that's, that's, that's good. She's watching the same things that we would watch. <laughs> and so, yeah, she's, she, we can get behind that kind of thing. Um, but you know, I was thinking too about you know, how I'd be more thoughtful, uh, in terms of my advice to early entrepreneurs and, and, and I would say, I think, I think it's important to put yourself in the shoes of that investor not only when you're pitching them but i think when they're when they're saying no right and and i would say the the a thing that most people don't understand is that you know that investor who you're talking to might be saying no not because of your brand or your background or what school you went to or any of those sort of personal things that you know we as founders you know tend to 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 take to heart They may, you know, they may know, for example, that their investment committee just looked at this space and said Mm -hmm. no to another company, very very similar, you know, in terms of size or you know founder story or whatever, and that they can't run you up the flagpole at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They might know that their boss, if they're an associate or a VP or a partner with a little P, they might know that their partner with a big P, right? Doesn't necessarily like brands that, you know, um, don't have a, you know, a chief marketing officer, like right off the bat. Something as like nuanced as that, right? Because all these, all the investors that you're talking to all have a job to do, right? And their job is to deploy capital and, 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 and they want to deploy as much capital as possible in order to, basically get um get promoted within their firm so there has there's like and they very rarely like i said if they don't know the space they're not trying to like judge you based on all these like different things they're just trying to look at how you you and your company and your story fit as a puzzle piece into this sort of jigsaw that is like their boss their investment committee other companies in their portfolio how much money you're raising versus how much their average check sizes, right? And they're just doing that math um, and, and that calculation kind of behind the scenes. So I think that's basically what I'm trying to say is that a no is very rarely personal or a, a big, um, uh, 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 it's not about your brand, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's not about your product. It's, it's, it's about all the other things that are going yeah. on. Um, within that, um, that investor's fund or that investor's, you know, um, uh, uh,
1: current portfolio. I really love that answer. For anyone who's going out to raise money or like in that stage where they're pitching, do you have any resources that you recommend, like any books or articles that you've really loved?
2: Um, On the pitching part, I I think it's numbers game. So I don't necessarily think you'll find your answers in books. I think you'll find you just got to go out there and you just got to talk to as many people as possible and know that 90% of them, 95% of them are going to say no. So I wouldn't even waste your time reading a book when it came to just go out there and just start pitching, just start practicing, just talk to as many people as possible and ask for as many introductions as possible. Um, I would say on the negotiation part of it, understanding the terms of your first seed investment or your series a i would i would i would go straight to um so the NVCA has this guide and it's a it's a very very simple guide to term sheets and um or convertible notes for mm-hmm. or, or safes and um i think it's it's really important that a founder knows what they're signing up for um in terms of vesting in terms of you know liquidation preference in in terms of how that investment is structured and participation and interest rate and all of that i think it's really important that that you learn up and you know or you read up on it um, before you go into negotiations with uh with an investor and it's not something that just just paying up for a lawyer will solve for you because a lot of those terms are very personal in terms Mm -hmm. of what you can you know how long you want to be doing this how risk averse you are um, as an entrepreneur. And so I would say you you have to have a working knowledge of that when you go into negotiations.
1: Such a good tip because I have heard really bad horror stories as well about like founders who maybe weren't familiar or like didn't really understand the terms they were saying yes to. And then they kind of got screwed. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Like, I mean, just know one of the basic things is like, you know, a lot of, a lot of term sheets these days, like the hot thing is to give a really high valuation, but to put a really high liquidation preference on it. So that means that they get a certain multiple mm-hmm. of their money out before you get paid, before you as a common shareholder yeah. get paid. So, you know, sometimes, and this was, this, I mean, I haven't seen term sheets like this, to be honest, since like 2000 right? When it was like the bubble of, you know, the the internet bubble. And, but there was like four or five times liquidation preferences sometimes where they would the investors. If, so if they gave you a million dollars, they would get $5 million out of that company before you got paid a penny, which makes no sense if you think who's putting the effort, you know, into building that brand. So um, yeah, it's, it's a bit crazy.
1: Yeah, actually, like, that was, that that was exactly the term that kind of screwed someone over that I'd heard of. And like, I was like, Oh, my gosh, like, this is just something that everyone needs to kind of know about. And just, just know what what goes into those, those kind of documents and all of that.
2: And very, just a general understanding. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just looking at this, like, quick guide might be what might be a good place to start. Totally.
1: So I want to talk about your partnership with NBCU because I've never seen anything like it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite unique. I think we're actually maybe the only indie beauty brand that, um, that, that has it. Um, yeah, so, so it's a marketing partnership. Um, it's a multi-year partnership where we basically co-create products, um, with their rosters of talent. So, um, you know, it, and, it, and it's quite unique to something Volition can do because Volition is the only brand with actual you know, innovators behind each of our products, right? So the idea being that you know, NBCU owns all of these networks, everything from E to USA to Bravo, they own all of these franchises of shows, everything from Keeping Up the Kardashians, which probably everybody knows, to The Real Housewives to whatever, right? I mean, there's a bunch of uh, um, content there. And um, and they've created amazing brands on those shows, right? Kylie, yeah, oh yeah, them, is one of them. Um, Skinny Girl, right? Bethany Frankel did it. Um, and uh, you know, I think that their uh, their platform is second to none. So you know, for us, I think partnering with their uh, with their teams across their different networks, and then having their talent be the innovators behind some of our products. Um, is really going to help us, I think, you know, not only talk about the brand on a bigger platform, um, but come out with some really, really interesting innovations and then take audiences behind the scenes so they can see what it's like to work with Volition and what it's like to be a Volition innovator. So a lot of those shows, you know, you'll see my face on Zoom, you know, because we shot them a lot in COVID, talking about, um, you know, talking about the problems that these NBCU innovators are trying to solve, um, and and, and then helping them solve them.
1: That is so freaking cool. Like, I I can't get over it. Um, Which, or like, I guess like who have you partnered with that our audience might have heard of?
2: Yeah, so so the first one uh, that launched just in November of last year, um, her name is Maurice Mizanin, and she's on a USA show called The Miz and Mrs. and it's a comedy show. Actually, it's their ex WWE. Well, she's an ex WWE superstar, and he's currently um, a big, big WWE personality. Mm-hmm. And um, and this this show basically takes uh, audiences, you know, into their lives. And uh, you know, and her her story is basically that you know she had retired from professional wrestling. She had two kids on the show that you know she she was she became a mom, and um, she was looking to basically uh, improve her uh, her beauty routine, make it cleaner, make it better, um, and, uh, and yeah. So we so we partnered with her to come out with a moisturizer that's uh, that's packed with caffeine because she you know they, she I like to say she uh, she wanted it to pack a punch is what she always says, so uh, so she needed something. She's super busy. A, new mom, plus the show, you know, plus all of her other obligations. So you know coffee and and tea, um, Yopon tea is what she uh, was her moisturizer. It's what she drinks in the morning to get herself revived. and 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 it was a very special ingredient for her. It's the only actually caffeinated plant that's endemic to the United States. Um, so you know she and her husband had lived in Texas and found this uh, found this tea. And, um, yeah, so we put it in, um, in a caffeine, a clean caffeine moisturizer that, uh, uh that the show kind of talks about and, and shows, shows her partnership with us and, uh, everything.
1: That is super cool. Wow. Like I've, I've, I mean, what a great story. So if, you know, other brands are in your shoes and like, I mean, you guys have done such a phenomenal job. How do you go about kind of finding these great partners? Uh, like NBCU or like
2: Maurice?
1: Yeah, yeah, like, like NBCU, for example, or, or like, obviously not something at that kind of level, but like, say it's a new brand, and they want to kind of partner with like, another great brand as well. Like, how do you go about doing something like that?
2: Um, so I would say a lot of our, I would classify these as sort of like business development. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, kind of um, uh, relationships. Um, You know, I would say that the the circle of founders and entrepreneurs, I think, just as you're, you know, doing uh, panels or you do, uh, you know, we have, for example, um, uh, a circle of entrepreneurs from, you know, a a working line of capital uh, bank that we use. And they put all their entrepreneurs from all these different uh, industries together. And there's like a Google group or forum that we all kind of chit chat on. Um, and and you'll find a lot of, a lot of folks at Clavio does it as an email marketing platform. They'll just put these like startups together. And so that's a really cool, I think, um, uh, source of just connections also going to like venture conferences or going to like marketing conferences. You just connect with other entrepreneurs and other companies that, you know, are interested in what you're doing. So yeah, that's, that's, that's really where a lot of these partnerships have come
1: from. Yeah, I think it's a great tip and I feel like, you know, again, I think it's a different kind of community and I think at, at the end of the day, community is everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Just always
2: just always be talking about your brand. If you're always talking about your brand. Hopefully somebody will listen and, and
1: kind of think like, oh, I should, we should do X, Y, and Z together. It's true. Okay, Patricia, this was awesome. Tell everyone where they can find you. Absolutely.
2: Um, so we're at Volition Beauty on Instagram. We're volitionbeauty.com. Um, you know, for our for our website, you can both shop and submit ideas uh, on that site. Uh, we have a we have a portion of the site that's called the lab, where uh, where we take uh, idea submissions, and you can also vote and pre-order some of the currently trending campaigns.
1: It's very cool, by the way, guys. Like I've I've seen that portion of the website. It is I've never seen anything like it. It is really really sick. What you guys have done. Oh, thank you, thank you. Sarah. Thank you for being here, Patricia. This was awesome.
2: Absolutely. It was so great to chat.